and tending sheep as their forefathers had in the shadows of the ancient mountains. August was always a pleasant month in this part of New Mexico. The nights were cool, the mornings golden. Days were hot and dry, the sleepy afternoons frequently doused by thunderstorms that rumbled in from the west. Gardens swelled with vegetables. Flocks grew fat on the grass that greened in the foothills from the new moisture of the monsoonal rains. By all outward appearances, Las Vegas seemed as it always did in this favored season. And yet, the people knew that when the Americans arrived, their world would change utterly. Early on the morning of August 12th, the fitful quiet of Las Vegas was punctured by the sound of hoofbeats. By the time the villagers heard the sound and discerned its menace, it was already too late. The invaders had cut across their fields and penetrated the town margins. To the people's surprise, however, these weren't the anticipated American invaders. This was an attack just as dreadful but much more familiar. Navajos. The raiders came boiling out of the mountains, painted for battle. At the last moment, they let out a blood-chilling war whoop that sounded to the villagers something like an owl. Ow! Ow! The Navajo warriors rode bareback or on saddles made of sheepskin and guided their mounts with reins of braided horsehair. They wielded clubs and carried shields made of buckskin layers taken from a deer's hip, where the hide is thickest. They had images of serpents painted on the soles of their moccasins to give them a snake-like sneakiness as they approached their quarry. Their steel-tipped arrowheads were daubed with rattlesnake blood and prickly pear pulp mixed with charcoal taken from a tree that had been struck by lightning. Many of the more strange, tight-fitting helmets made from the skinned heads of mountain lions. Before anyone could take up a musket in defense, the Navajos had driven off sheep and goats by the hundreds, if not thousands, stolen horses, and killed one adolescent shepherd while kidnapping another. Then, as fast as they came, the reavers vanished. In the faint light... They drove their herds on networks of tiny trails that spilled into wider trails, and finally into dusty thoroughfares that were permanently worn down by the hooves of driven stock. Great trampled highways of theft winding toward the Navajo country far to the west. Book One, The New Men My needle always settles between west and southwest. The future lies that way to me, and the earth seems more unexhausted and richer on that side. Henry David Thoreau Chapter 1. Jumping Off In the two decades he had lived and wandered in the west, Christopher Carson had led an unaccountably full life. He was only 36 years old, but it seemed he had done everything there was to do in the western wilds, had been everywhere, met everyone. As a fur trapper, scout, and explorer, he had traveled untold thousands of miles in the Rockies, in the Great Basin, in the Sierra Nevada, in the Wind River Range, in the Tetons, in the coastal rangers of Oregon. 
As a hunter, he had crisscrossed the Great Plains any number of times, following the buffalo herds. He had seen the Pacific, been deep into Mexico, pushed far into British-held territories of the Northwest. He had traversed the Sonoran, Chihuahuan, and Mojave deserts, gazed upon the Grand Canyon, stood at the life-leached margins of the Great Salt Lake. He had never seen the Hudson or the Potomac, but he had traced all the important rivers of the West, the Colorado, Platte, Sacramento, San Joaquin, Columbia, Green, Arkansas, Gila, Missouri, Powder, Bighorn, Snake, Salmon, Yellowstone, Rio Grande. Carson was present at the creation, it seemed. He had witnessed the dawn of the American West in all its vividness and brutality. In his constant travels, he had caromed off...